Welcome back to Shepherd the Sheep with Pastors Gina Glermo and Jason Vaughn. And today we are going to talk about the three essential responsibilities of a churchman. Welcome back. Hello. Wow, it's been a while. Hello, Las Vegas. Yes. And everywhere else. Yeah, all other two locations. <laughs> uh, it's good to be back. Uh, it's been a while. We were kind of on a Christmas break and uh, busy doing shepherding stuff, which uh, is our prime responsibility. So, right, I was like, uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's contrary to uh, popular opinion. Sometimes we work more than one hour a week. Amen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and when we do, it's fun and we enjoy it. But uh, podcast sometimes doesn't get to be number one on the list, and that's okay because uh, these other things for the body life in person are more important than podcast. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably a good way to say that. Person, in person, always trumps other media and avenues. I agree. Yeah. I agree. There's something about meeting in person and seeing the person and, you know, um, I, it's even hard with a face mask on. I mean, there's something about like see, seeing a person's mouth is like, yeah. I don't know what it is. Oh, just facial expressions. You can, yeah. um, I mean, it's not that you can't do it, but it's just yeah. a lot. Um, yeah. Maybe it's easier. I don't know. No, I, even in the coffee shop the other day, I made a joke. Uh, I asked her for a sparkling water and she said that it, they only had grapefruit. And I was like, grapefruit, you don't, ugh, I'm not old enough for grapefruit. And I was smiling and she just kind of looked at me and I was like, you know, I'm kidding. Right. She goes, Oh, I know you're kidding. I was like, okay, cool. I was <laughs> she like, can't see your smile. Yeah, I can't yeah. see a smile. Yeah. So yeah, that's fine. Uh, again, uh, not, not trying to, yeah. Uh, I'm just not old enough for grapefruit stuff yet. Oh man, you're missing out. I probably am, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. So, uh, it's good to be back. That's probably a good first discussion for us here, though, because uh, today's podcast, we're going to talk about uh, three essential responsibilities of churchmen. And before we started the podcast, we kind of realized we probably talked about all of these things somewhere else in the podcast. But to compile them here and to put them here is helpful, uh, hopefully for you, uh, the listener. But also, uh, the key to learning is repetition. And so... Saying it again in this way hopefully is more helpful to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially since this is a podcast for Cornerstone and something that we try to do to help Cornerstone understand who we are and what God has called you to. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I think even just in the fact that we did not choose the podcast over other things speaks volumes too, because I do kind of hope. Uh, I don't really scroll on social media too much anymore. Uh, I really prefer not to have conversations on social media. But I've noticed podcasts are huge. Podcasting is growing. Mm -hmm. Almost everybody seems to have a podcast now. 
And I hope what we're not doing is replacing personal interactions with podcast, blogs, social media, Twitter, Zoom. Mm. You know, there's something about being with people in person that's great. That's a good point. Um, I think, if anything, the goal of this podcast is almost to, um, you know, use that shepherd's hook and kind of reel people back in to, like, face-to-face and uh, in-person kind of uh, gathering. So Yes, yeah, I always, even on parking space, my goal was to write a blog that encouraged you to quit reading the blog and go get plugged into the church. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we, we can do that. And, uh, yeah, we'll probably make some mistakes along the way. But uh, we we have today a topic that is kind of dear to Cornerstone that, that we, we really do try to equip guys uh, and girls to understand the five responsibilities of a churchman. And so we, uh, obviously this list is not exhaustive, but in terms of trying to say, okay, Lord, how have you called me to live? And so there's a general understanding that God gifts us with holiness and he gifts us with a relationship with him. And Ephesians 4 is that response of, okay, now I'm, I'm supposed to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which I've been called. So the gift of holiness requires a response. And so I think you could summarize our response in a threefold way that we have the right motives, the right ethics, and the right obedience. Okay. And uh, part of that is understanding that as a believer, I have responsibilities that are specifically laid out right in the Bible, not implied, not assumed, not, pieced together with logical, like if I take this verse and then I go over here to this verse over here and then come over here to this verse over here and I add these three verses together, it means this. No, like these five responsibilities are clearly outlined in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so at the at the end of Ephesians, by the time you get to Ephesians, he's outlined these five responsibilities, just like in Colossians he outlines them. Uh, and we're going to look mainly at Hebrews today, which talks about in depth some of these outlines as well. And so, right when I'm reading Ephesians and I get down to five fifteen, it says I need to walk uh, in wisdom. Right, that that I need to be careful that I not walk unwise, but wise. Uh, and then he goes on to list right that that I need to walk in wisdom with my wife. I need to walk in wisdom with my work. I need to walk in wisdom with my family. Uh, but there's also this general calling, right, in Ephesians 4, that walking in a manner worthy of the gospel to which you've been called means walking with your church. Uh, and then there's also generic love your neighbor, love love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And so there's this general understanding, too, that I, that I have a role with just people in general. Mm-hmm. So I, I've defined the five, the five responsibilities as spouse, family, work, church, relationships, or neighbor, Mm -hmm. whichever word you want to use. I don't care. Uh, But brief overview, right? So if you're a wife, your husband is very important to you. And God is going to hold us accountable for the way you treat and love your husband. Husbands need to love their wives the way Christ loved the church. Uh, If you have a job, then you have responsibilities to that. If you're a man... If you don't work, you don't eat. If you're a man, you need to have a job, like a full-time job. 
Hmm. Honestly, I think men get in trouble when they don't have jobs and they sit at home on social media all day, hmm. get in a lot of trouble. Why? Because yeah. you're already you're, you're like David. David was in sin before he went after Bathsheba, and the text says, "Hey, that time when kings are supposed to be going to war." And you kind of look and go, well, there's David not doing what kings are supposed to be doing. And so work, right? So if you're a man, you need to work. Um, if you have kids, you need to, you have, there's a way to serve your kids. That's your family. Uh, but all of us have that church relationship and then general relationships. So out of the five responsibilities, it is possible that you don't have two of them. You may not be married and you may not have kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may not be married and you may have kids. So it's also possible you have four of them. You may be married with no kids. Uh, but at minimum, I think everybody has all has at least uh, four of them in that if you're not married, you still got your mother and your father. Even if you've moved out of the house and you're no longer under their authority, there's still some general instruction for the way to honor them and love them. Uh, you need to be working. You are called into the church. Ephesians 2 is very clear that uh, beginning in verse 11, that God tore down the wall and called you into the body of Christ. So not only has he called you out of darkness and the light, he's called you into the church. And then Ephesians 4 is very clear that you that every believer has been gifted for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. Hmm. And then you also have that general relationships, right? That, look, the barista is not just the person to give me my coffee, that's a human being made in the image of God who makes my coffee. And I am going to be accountable for the way I treat my barista. Uh, if you don't go out for coffee a lot and you have a waiter, you're going to be accountable for your waiter. If you go shopping and you're whoever's ringing up all of your produce or products that you're buying, you're going to be held accountable for the way you treat that person. Uh, the way you treat other people in cars when you drive, you're going to be held accountable for that. For, you know, uh, people you run into in the supermarket, your actual literal next door neighbors, right? Our elected officials. Oh, yes, you know, <laughs> wait a minute. There's a line. Uh, yeah, your elected officials. These are human beings. I think we forget that we, you know, that the kindness of God leads to repentance, and His people need to be kind. Mm-hmm. And they, they're not going to see God's kindness if they don't see it in His people. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so people in general. Uh, well, that's that's probably maybe our next podcast, Imago Day. Image yeah. of God. There we All go. Right. We better write that down. We better. I know. I know. We have. We uh, we're joking. It's been a while because of the holidays and stuff. That um, we 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 were like, what were? Yeah, it's kind of this million dollar question of where do we want to start again? Yeah. So here we are. But the church, and so all. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you it is not just a personal relationship between you and Christ. It is a personal relationship between you and Christ and His body, which is the church. And I'm going to define the church this way. Uh, it is a local body of believers who uh, have leadership. I would say you're not a church without leadership. And somebody's laid hands on those guys. And then a body of believers who congregate together and meet together and are committed to each other. And that's where that membership comes into play. Right. That we talked about, you know, that defining the flock of God among you. And there we are as members together in a local body. Mm-hmm. And so this is why we say every Sunday, the church is not a um, production. It's not an event. It is a group of people united together who worship together. Mm-hmm. And so you do life together. You sometimes 
you know, every Sunday we mark out a specific time where we do life together, uniting around God's word to exalt Christ. Amen. Yeah. So, okay. So with that, what, what are some general basic, where would I start responsibilities for believers in the church? And where there's more than what we're going to say, but I think if you start here and can get these down, you're going to have an excellent foundation and respond to the God's calling in an honorable way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. All right. I think uh, nor- normally known for long introductions, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. You're right there. You're, you, yeah. I don't know what the timing your, on that was. You're in your comfort zone there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, could you do a short introduction? And I'm like, are you kidding me? So, all right. Uh, let's, let's, where do we want to start? Do you know, let's, let's start with uh, maybe Hebrews uh, 6, 9 to 12. All right. Yeah. I think that's probably a good, uh, a good intro. Uh, it's hard for me. People who know me well know that I have lists, but I don't rank things. And so, you know, uh, but a lot of people, when they write their list, they think the number one thing mentioned is like the number one thing. And it's like number two is number two. But, uh, I get that, that it's helpful for people to prioritize things like that. But to me, I got to learn how to be faithful in all of them. So I may see a list and start with number one, but ultimately I realize I need to grow and be good at the whole list and be faithful to the whole list. So uh, this is not in ranking order. Sorry for those type A, super type A people. But uh, again, the Bible doesn't say first importance here. Mm. In fact, the Bible rarely uses first importance here. Yeah. Um, I think generally speaking, people tend to put things that are important at the, at the top or there's some kind of logical reason why that's a, it's at top and maybe subconsciously you don't realize it like uh which how do you how are you going to start your list because i'll show <laughs> i'll probably there's probably a reason why it's first right there probably is yeah. yeah um but but uh i would say if you're not doing all three of these then uh your worship is lacking your response to the gift of holiness and to to adoption into christ uh is lacking mm-hmm. and maybe even disobedient yeah, I mean, uh, especially if you know it. Yes. Uh, if you if you know it's your responsibility. Yeah. So now that we're telling you. Yes, ooh, yeah, going to be held accountable. Yeah. But, and that's part of being a learner, is hearing these and then learning how to do them and understanding there's grace as you learn how to do them. Right. You know, it's kind of like learning a new sport, uh, but you're required to learn this sport, uh, but nobody expects you to to be a 300 hitter with 30 home runs and 40 stolen bases and 100 RBIs. And 300 is like 3 out of 10, though, right? You know what's so funny in baseball? <laughs> that's, success, that's successful. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? I know. So you're telling us to do 3 out of 10 times? Is that what you're... <laughs> no, I'm just saying be good. I love baseball. Go. Yeah, yeah, be good. All right. Uh, yeah, you want, you want to be like a Joe Montana, the goat of quarterbacks. The goat. All right. Yep. Okay. Uh, so Hebrews 6, 9. Uh, but beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of the hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imit- imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So uh, at the, out of the very gates... He's addressing them in the context 
of spiritual maturity. And if you were to roll back up in your Bibles to uh, to Hebrews 5.11, and you were to look at 5.11, he says, concerning him, and he's talking about Jesus Christ, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And he says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. And so the picture created here is some kind of backsliding has gone on, right, that we would use in modern terms. Some kind of... Man, you know, you can almost hear the church and the conversation is, what happened to Johnny? Like, Johnny used to be great, and now John, like, where's Johnny been? And Johnny seems to be apathetic and indifferent, and and he's he's dull of hearing. He's you know, and you talk to him, he's he seems like, you know, it seems like you have to talk to him like a like a new believer or somebody that doesn't understand Christ again. And so here you come back to the text in six nine to twelve. And that same word for dole of hearing is used in 612 for sluggish. And so he's encouraging them in a way so that the result of 612, so that you will not be dull of hearing. Uh, and so to be dull of hearing is to be sluggish. It's, it's really mm. the same word. And so, mm. you know. Stubborn? Yeah, you could maybe stubborn. Uh, again, I just think, right, the idea of sluggish is somebody not running the race. Mm-hmm which is a big part of the Hebrews text. Yeah. Well, it's almost like someone refusing almost. Like it's it's yes. it's like refusing to uh to learn, you know? Yes, they've they've basically become apathetic to learning. Mm-hmm. Apathetic to growing. They're their Ap- own authority basically. Yeah, at this ap- point. Yes, apathetic to walking. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe and maybe they're off doing their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um so so that you will not be sluggish. Right, and so he's he's trying to say, hey, I'm giving you this exhortation so that you won't be this, mm. um, but that you'll be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. And the idea of sluggish and running the race with faithfulness is a key theme in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, you know, uh, because you have such a great cloud of witnesses, do not become so easily entangled in the sin that entangles you, mm-hmm. but run the race with endurance, having your eyes f- fixed on the author and perfecter of your faith. That's my paraphrase, butchered, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just didn't scan ahead in my text to read it. Uh, but then the other one is that imitator is also there in Hebrews 12, right? Those, the great cloud of witnesses who through their faith and patience inherited the promise, which is talked about in Hebrews 11 and then 12, the promise of eternal life. And so the idea is here, here's how you run the race. Uh, and how this can even be flushed out is, I have, I've had conversations with people who are unsure of their salvation. And a lot of times a common denominator of that is that those people are not actively plugged into a church. Yeah. And it's interesting uh, how God does that with people that actively plugged into the church uh, almost provides an assurance of salvation. Hmm. And then for those people that wander on, uh, and again, you talk to those people who wander on, and they all have really good reasons for why they're not actively involved in the church. Mm-hmm. But they're not really good reasons. In their mind, they're good reasons. But you listen to it and you compare it to Scripture, and it's actually usually foolish reasons. Right. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, we realize this podcast is in the heart of a pandemic, and we're not we're not trying to apply the pandemic situation is we're just speaking in general. Right. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, in fact, we, we all know somebody who's like, Oh, I left the church and 
I just meet with friends and that's our church. And it's like, well, that's not really a church, but okay. Um, you know, and the good news is God knows those kids and he, if they're his, he'll restore. So, yes. Yeah. But, and so he says, okay, beloved, I don't want you to be sluggish. I want you to be solid. And just like those people that we're going to talk about in Hebrews 11, who inherit the faith. So, we're convinced he goes up in nine. He says, beloved, we're convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation. Notice he's not saying things that save you, but salvation produces this. Uh, verse 10, for God is not unjust. So as to forget your work and the love, which you have shown towards his name. And he's talking to a church that has endured much persecution, trial, suffering, and adversity. And they have ministered to each other during that time. And so he's saying, God will not forget that work. But then he goes on to say, in having ministered, right, and there there is a there is a uh, there is a change in Greek aspect here, um, in in the in the words here, and so uh, the emphasis is meant to imply in what you've done, and in still ministering to the saints. So he's recognizing you've done this, you're doing it. Verse 11, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. And there's the idea of keep doing it. And so the ministering is the idea of serving the body, right? The saints is the church. It's the body of Christ. This is a local body that he's writing to in a local community with elders. We know there's elders because Hebrews 13, he talks about their relationship with their elders. And so here he's saying to them, look, keep engaging and serving and loving and ministering to the saints. And that the result of that is that you will be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So I would summarize responsibility. Number one as all of us in the church have a responsibility to do ministry and engage the saints. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, somebody comes to me and says, well, you know, I just, my primary ministry is to my husband. Good. You also have a ministry to the local church. Yep. You know, and, uh, you know, I've even heard people say, well, your wife has a special ministry because she has to minister to you. And so if that means she can't be as involved in the church, then she can't. And I appreciate where they're coming from on that and appreciate all of all of those thoughts. Um, but unfortunately, I always have to push back and say, well, she does have responsibilities to the local church, too. Right. Yeah. It's it's kind of like uh, you also want to lead her that way. Yes. Like you're not trying to just um, keep her service just to you, but it's actually good for her that yes. she serves a church. Because in serving, I mean, we're, we have to realize that we're benefiting from other people's gifts too. And that gifting of the body is a real spiritual uh, a blessing for all the members, not just the one serving. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um and she's going to grow by ministering to them, mm-hmm. which is actually, and being ministered to by them, which is actually going to benefit me too. Yeah. Is that, that's iron sharpens iron type of, um, yes. Thinking and, or, um, yeah, working. Yes. So, yeah. And there's just some ways that women can minister to women that, um, the guys can't minister to women in that right. way. Right. Which is interesting. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so engage is the first thing. I, I, like, you put this first, but in my mind, this logically makes sense. 
Yes. Going to the other two. But in, part of engaging, would you say, is also like, uh, you know, the, the, I would say this is the mode of every believer, like to get, engage and like find a way to put yourself out there, not as a, not, not necessarily as an extrovert, yeah. but the game plan is I'm going to learn people. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. And I do know we've talked about that, mm-hmm. um, but I think you're right. And, um, well, and then maybe that's interesting too, because one of the other responsibilities is faithfulness. And then another responsibility is those one another's that we're going to talk about, which maybe even defines how to engage each other. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the engage, right. The ministering, I think I, I get too. What what are what are maybe the difficulties that we have in engaging? I think some of it is uh, you don't realize that you have to learn people. Oh yes. Uh, and so when you're not when when you're approaching you you walk into the church, especially if you're new, right? Yes. And you walk in with a, with expectations and assumptions about how people are going to be. Yes. Maybe you might run into a less mature believer. Yeah. And the things that come out in the conversation are like, wow, I did not expect that or assume that this person would be this way. That's those are false assumptions, expectations. Yeah. I think you have to be uh, ready to learn them because if, if, if you're going to engage them, right, you're, you're really asking the question, um, you know, how can I minister to this person, encourage this person and, and towards Jesus Christ? Yeah. That's something you do really well too, Gino, because you, you spend time getting to know people, listening to them, learning them, understanding kind of their life situation and then help them prioritize and see how to organize their life a little bit and then how to how to worship God in the way that they do that. Mm. Uh, I know Chris and Ramil do that really well too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, for me, I, you know, I ask, I, well, I just like asking questions. Yes. Get, getting to know people because it's interesting to me. Yes. Like knowing what they do and because I know that what your job is, your background, all those kind of things affect how you think and how you behave. Yeah. And so as a minister... Or as, as as someone who's trying to lead people, like that's those are that's important piece of information for me. Yes. Well, and in our church, we have people from different cultures. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting, right? I, I did a funeral for um, for a more traditional American family, and they wanted a very structured beginning and end. And then I did a funeral for a Filipino family, and they were not as interested in the structured. Yeah. Approach. Yep. And it was that good reminder of, oh, yeah, because of their, you know, and it's like, well, which one's right? Well, they're both right because ultimately what the family wants to do to honor their their loved one who passed away. And, but for me, it was a good reminder of, you know, understanding those cultural differences is helpful because I can adapt a little bit on my end to minister to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you even said too, right, uh, the danger is expectations. Yes. You know, and, and I get, we, we talked about this in the, in our men's group. I get that when visitors come into the church, the expectation is that people will reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and they'll even be like, well, we've been coming for six weeks and this is how they should treat us at the week, at the six week mark. The, the problem is scripture actually doesn't, uh, it doesn't communicate that way. Scripture says you believer are responsible to do this. So God is really commanding me to go do this. So ideally, yes, people should come up to you and reach out. But on the flip side, you're actually responsible for that. You're, you're not going to stand before God and God go, you know what? You made yourself available for people to talk to you and uh, you were treated unfairly. 
Right. It's going to be, look, your job was to go minister to them. Why didn't you do it? Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, or thank you for your faithfulness in doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, right. I have to accept that personal responsibility to engage people. Right. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this in other podcasts and we've talked about the dangers of expectations. Uh, but, but so I think that starting point is I expect myself to minister to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even if you just get to know two or three other people in the church and minister to them, that's fine. We're not saying you got to be chatty Kathy who runs around the whole, the whole church, uh, by the way, no Cathy's were thought of at that moment. Uh, but we're, we're not saying you got to be, you know, the socialite busy bee who talks to everybody. We're saying take your family and invest in a couple other families. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and then be faithful and diligent. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I will say that we do encourage people to welcome guests. Yes, of course. Yes. I mean, that's the, the, the you know, it, it doesn't change our mode as, as members. Yeah. When we, when we see someone new, we try to engage them, but, um, uh, that doesn't always happen ideally. Yes. And we get that. So maybe what we're saying is, Hey, um, even as you're a guest at other churches, when you visit other churches, like, you know, you're going to visit California and you're visiting someone else's church, be a good guest. Yes. Um, introduce yourself and get to know people. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I still remember my buddy that complained to me once about, Nobody at the church said hi to him. And I said, well, did you say hi? And he said, no. And I said, well, why don't you say hi? And then he, he chimes back and he's like, hey, all those other people were visitors too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Because, you know, so again, if the assumption is, hey, these people should talk to me and you end up in a, in a, in a row of visitors, you know, <laughs> and everybody has that expectation and everybody leaves the, the church going, man, none of that church was loving. But the funny part is... You know, I wonder if God laughs up there. He's like, that's just funny, you know? Yeah. Like all these people with these expectations and they're missing it. They were all visitors, you know? And and great. So for Cornerstone, you know, my 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 our exhortation, right, is look, if you see somebody you don't know, go say hi to him. Go get to know him. But but have that expectation on yourself. Hey, let me go get to know people. Yeah. You know, and, and even if that means looking at one of your friends and saying, Hey, I love you, but I don't know those people. Let's go say hi to those people. Yeah. Yeah. My, I, when I see someone, you know, sometimes I don't know what to say other than welcome. And you guys have you had coffee? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like show them where the coffee is. Uh, that's the way I show hospitality. Yes. <laughs> Instinctively. Yes. Here's some good coffee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. Just be hospitable. Hey, is there anything I can help you with? Is there anything I can help you find? Um, introduce him, you know, feel free to come introduce him to pastor. It's, it's that weird part. Sometimes I don't know somebody's visited church two or three times because I didn't get a chance to see him before the service. Yeah. And just the way I preach, uh, I don't always take note of who I do and don't recognize. So sometimes I'll inch, I'll be like, oh, you're new here. Well, I've been here the last two weeks. And it's like, okay, this is the danger of, again, I'm not, I'm not really trying to study faces while I preach. Yeah. And ask myself, who is that person? Uh, I prayed for the people in there before the service, but... So it's like to my chagrin, sometimes I don't know that they've been there one week and yeah. then I meet them and I'm like, Oh, it's the first time I've seen you. That's always embarrassing. <laughs> well, yeah. And they're like, well, you're standing That's up there looking at times. us yeah. and it's like, yeah, I'm so yeah. sorry. It's, it's, I know it's just, it's the, yeah. So it's, that happens to me all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's no offense, uh, but, and I, and I do try to be better at that. Uh, but right. So my job is to engage. 
but I would even say beyond Sunday, right? And so um, the one thing about the Hebrew church is they uh, they had to go down and serve those in prison, and so which meant they had to take time out of their day to go do these things. Uh, it's easy for us to say, hey, that person has a broken leg. I need to go serve them. What we need to realize is that that service opportunity uh, is Monday through Sunday and that I may, that maybe text messages, talking to people, having dinner with people, having breakfast with people, praying for people, that's, that's where the one another's comes in. So, so maybe, maybe we'll just roll into the one another's. Right? Right. Now, how do I do that? Because it's not just a Sunday thing that I engage. Church is a relationship. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, God describes the church as the body of Christ hmm. that is connected together. That body language is not one of, of movie production, right? Of go to an event, pay your entrance fee, pay your admissions, get a brochure, sit down and be entertained and leave. Yeah. Body, right? Your body, your, your fingertips need the rest of your finger and they need the hand and they need the arm and they need the nervous system and they need your brain functioning to communicate to what you, what to your fingers on what to do. You know, even if you're like me, right? I talk with my hands. I know I talk with my hands. I've always talked with my hands. It just makes more sense. And so the body, right? All works together. I can't cut my arm off and expect my fingers to function properly. Hmm. And that's the point of of First Corinthians that all of us have been gift have been gifted for the purpose of building up the body to integrate in the body and function. And so to view that as a relationship, then says, okay, so that means I have to do the one another's beyond just on Sunday mm-hmm. at the gathering. I really need to be involved with one another. All throughout the week. All throughout the week. Well, it's hard on Sunday because you can only say hi to so many people. Yes. It's difficult for us because, you know, we, um, just to walk to the back of the, the sanctuary is uh, almost impossible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you, you'd run into uh, at least like five people to talk to. Yes. And so you might never get to see that new person. Right. Um, but yeah, we're not, we're not, uh, our goal is not just to produce content. Right, content is is part of uh, part and parcel of what we're trying to do. Which that content should drive you to actually be a, a part of participate in the body by doing the one another's. Yes, and so you go and you read the one another's inscription. There's a lot of them. Yes, uh, love one another. Lots of yeah. Do not look out for your own personal interest, but the interest of others. And the interesting thing about the the one another's is they are all in the context of the local church. Yeah. And so the idea there is that who is the recipients of the love one another? Who's the recipients of the pray for one another? Who are the recipients of serve one another? Uh, and I would argue it's your local church. Yep. I mean, when Paul writes, do not look out for your own personal interests, but the interest of others, who are the others he's addressing? Yeah, those, those are in your immediate context, which is your church. Yeah. So the Philippians, right, uh, right, uh, do not look out for your own personal interest, Philippian, but look out for the interest of others, even in your church. And I think that in your church is, apply, is implied, uh, whether that be, no matter where that is, love one another, serve one another, uh, pray for one another, 
and the interesting part to me about those one another's is that they're not um, they're not super specific. Hmm. Yeah, one one that's very specific is in First Corinthians, where it says, "Greet one another with a holy kiss." Yes, <laughs> that's is that that's not to be taken. Well, uh, if you're in Italy, you're gonna get a kiss, right? right. If you're in Croatia, uh, an old grandma is just gonna smack one on your lips, and you're gonna go, "Okay, whoa, <laughs> there it is." Yep. <laughs> so uh, you know, um, yeah. yeah, and you just well. I was in Croatia. Okay. You know, you look out for that grandma for the future. <laughs> it's like, you know oh, what? she's coming this way. Uh, dear old sweet lady. Right. Yeah. I just was excited to see. I mean, it had been, a, I mean, I've seen her four or five times and she was excited. I was back and you know what? Love you too. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. That's yeah. Crazy. So, you know, uh, yeah. Way to derail. Yeah. Uh, sorry about yeah. That. No, it's okay. But, um, but like, Flip about Ephesians four two uh, or four one. I implore you, I the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Uh, what's interesting to me is the one another's are general. They're kind of sweeping statements. Yeah, and sweeping statements can get you in trouble. Uh, because sometimes, unfortunately, the sweeping in statement can imply more than what we mean. Mm. Um, and sometimes sweeping statements are not, they're not meant, they, they don't imply more than what they mean, right? Uh, I love all baseball is probably a sweeping statement that, that you can hear that and be like, oh, well, the guy would enjoy watching Little League or professional baseball no matter what. Right, but if I turned around and said something like "all all rich people are crass or are selfish," mm. well, now that that's a sweeping statement that's probably indicting even the wrong rich people. Right. Yeah. So, but in the one and others here, you have a sweeping statement. Uh, right. Okay. Well, what does humility, gentleness, patience, tolerance for one another in love look like? And and that's where. On the one hand, I need to recognize it is a command. I implore you to live in this manner. And so how you live needs to be with humility, gentleness, patience, tolerance for one another in love. So, right, that, that there is a, some specificity to that. Uh, but what does love look like? Hmm. What does humility look like? Uh, on the one hand, we understand it's a disposition, and on the other hand, we understand that humility is an action of serving. Yep. Um, you know, uh, if you go to Romans 12, uh, Romans 12 is helpful because he talks about this again. Uh, let love, verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Again, mm. that's kind of a sweeping statement. Now, he does, he does, Clarify it a little bit. Give preference to one another in honor. And there's there's some humility, right? Philippians 2, 4. Do not look out for your own personal interests, but the interests of others. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. So there's some more specific ways that my devotion and brotherly love. All right, let me give you preference. Uh, let me not 
lag behind in diligence. Let me not be lazy. Let me be fervent, excited about it, understanding that this does serve the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in your tribulations with you, devoted to prayer, contributing to your needs, and practicing hospitality, which, again, is another way of serving, Mm. if you understand hospitality. Uh, It's not just knowing where the plates and the forks go on the thing. Hospitality is serving serving strangers. Yeah. And giving so, them reprieve, yeah, relaxation. Yeah, loving strangers yeah. Is, is a good way to put practicing hospitality. And so uh, that it's sweeping enough to say, I need to love. Then when you ask the question, well, how does what does that look like? This is where some people struggle because what it looks like isn't always the same. Mm-hmm. It's guided by Scripture in that I want you to know Christ. Mm. But it's also guided by a wisdom of knowing who you're talking to. Ah, so the engaging part helps here. Yes. And so, again, if you're not engaging people, you don't know people. If you haven't yep. learned people, then how are you going to engage them? You know, on the one hand, I can say to you, my favorite story at the conference, right? Right at the conference's beginning, we're having some IT difficulties. I know what to do. I have a minute before the store opens, and I have four computers I got to do it on. And so I'm just under the gun and under the pressure. And I'm working, and I get one working, and a kid steps up with a book. And at that point, I have a decision to make. I can say to him, I'm so sorry. We're going to open in one more minute. Or I look at him and I realize, you know what? I can ring him out right now, and then somebody can step up and take this register while I solve the other one. We're not, and so I made the decision. I'll take care of this kid now. So I take care of him, and he can obviously tell I'm I'm stressed, and, and I'm not stressing. I'm just trying to get it done. Mm-hmm. And he says to me, rejoice in the Lord, always. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know, And I know the kid meant well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he just sees me stressed, and he's like, hey, man, it's a, you know, he's trying yeah. to tell me it's okay. Yeah. What he doesn't know is that I'm not wigging out. I'm okay. I just realized that if when the room fills up, which is going to be any minute, all four of these need to be ready to rumble. And I said, okay, thank you. And he goes, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay for me to tell you that. I was like, no, you're right. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, the kid, great intentions from the kid, you know. Um, but the funny part is because he doesn't doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't understand that that though though he's right, it's not the best encouragement. Yeah, it wasn't like the wisest way to encourage me at that minute. And in fact, I wasn't discouraged. Yeah, right. Uh, the at that situation, hey man, I hope you know. You know, hey, have a good day. Thank you. You know, like yeah. I, I didn't need some kind of exhortation, like. I'm resting in Christ already. Things are good. So it's just funny, right? When you understand people, you can you can be better. Uh, we were talking about that. You know, Gino, one of your love languages is to to cook food for people. Yeah, I think so. Yes. <laughs> um, but we were talking about that, right? Like there's a couple guys in the church that, that we all rag on each other and we, we pick on each other and we all laugh and have a good time. But there are some people in this world that you can't do that with. Mm-hmm. And it's encouraging for me to joke around with people, but they're, but knowing the people that you can't do that with tells you, you got to love this person in a different way. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like your wife, know your wife. Yep. And then you better can love your wife, know your husband. You can better love your husband. Yep. And that's the point. The, the reason why I think it's slightly broad in it's be devoted to one another and brotherly love is because what that looks like is not always going to be the same. The, the, the principles that are going to be the same there is 
is make sure scripture guides you. Make it such that you're pointing people to Christ and encouraging people in their walk. Right? Uh, it may mean, uh, for some people, it may mean confronting them. Mm-hmm. For some people, right, First Thessalonians 5.14, you may have to admonish the unruly. Yeah. Uh, but you may have to help the weak. Both of those are loving people in a brotherly love. And again, if you're, but if you don't know them, how do you know? Do I need to admonish, encourage, or strengthen here? Right. First Thessalonians 5.14, right, gives kind of three classifications of people, and I know no matter who they are, I need to be patient with them. And so that, that the general one another's, if you learn them, they, the specificity of them is seen when you know people and know how to minister to them. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, generally speaking, that, that, that mode of humility is kind of the starting point. Uh, having that mindset, like in Matthew 20 uh, of Jesus, just, you know, you're not here to be served but you're here to serve and that requires work. Like you got to know people, got to learn people, got to yeah. engage them. If you're going, if you're going to invest in them and love them rightly and apply the one another's uh, rightly, um, knowing them and understanding where they come from, where they're strong, where they're weak is all important information. Right. Well, and even, um, I mean, the way you encourage an older saint might be different from somebody who just got saved. Uh, and scripture even acknowledges that. Yeah. An older saint who sinned, you're to love them like a father. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody who's only walked with the Lord for one year may not know anything. Right? Especially if somebody comes from a seeker sensitive church, how do you expect that person to have an in depth view of God? Yeah. You know? So as you disciple people, um, and as you're talking to people, right? Interesting thing about discipleship is sometimes just being friends with people, right? This, this was fascinating to me. Gino, you know, I've been friends for a long time and I think we've discipled each other through the years because well, you're welcome, Jason. No, no dude, honestly, man, you, you and Kyla have impacted me probably more than both of you ever know. Uh, Kyla in the fact that she, the way she, the way she deals with people, uh, it's always through kindness, and it, it's always this reminder. You know, kindness wins people. Yeah, um, you're the same way. I honestly don't think you have you ever get mad, um, and so that encourages me too because you you always have that loving, um, that loving disposition, and you're really good at realizing, man, people need the gospel. And so that that has always helped me keep the big picture too. And so in in learning and going through life with you both, it has been really helpful for me, right? And so and and I'm the trained pastor and Kyle is not the trained theologian. Right. So I think if you came to somebody and said on paper, you know, he's gonna be the one teaching Kyla. But the reality is because you do life together. You, you end up helping other people through problems because of your knowledge, but they also end up helping you. Sometimes, right, I adopt one of Kyla's problems, and I have to go learn what does Scripture say about the problem. Right. And it's the same thing with friendships, right? Like you're, you're, you're struggling through something, and you come to your friend, and your friend goes, 
Ooh, I don't know. I think about that story from Wesley Hill in his book where he, he mm. decided that uh, his temptation to be homosexual, he, he decided yeah, that's sinful and I want to follow Christ, but I think I need some help and I need some accountability and I need some men to instruct me. Mm-hmm. So he goes to his friend and confesses this this temptation that he's that he's constantly wrestling with, and his friend isn't really equipped to deal with it. But his friend agrees to learn about this and walk with him together through it. Oh, yeah. And what's interesting, right, is that Wesley's going to go on to become a PhD, but here's just this lay guy that's able to encourage him and walk with him. Mm-hmm. And that's what good friends do, right? Is you adopt the problems of other people. And you end up learning them, and sometimes you learn with them and love and encourage. Yeah, I think we, um, maybe that's in a future podcast too, but like, you know, the way we understand friendship biblically is different than the world's idea of friendship. Yeah. Uh, and what I've taught the youth group is that, hey, being a friend is actually pointing them to Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. Now, that's, there's a lot to that, like what we're talking about here, uh, you know, engaging one another, doing the one another's. Um, like this is there there's more detail to that but um that that you know that being said friendship for believers there's a goal yes and if you if if you define friendship that way um then it makes more sense it's not just like you know i don't know i mean i think most people would define friendship as being maybe just being friendly yes but you i'm talking about an engaged relationship yeah. point that points to jesus christ yeah like jonathan and david yeah, yeah, uh, and that that friendship had affection enough so to where even people accused them of being homosexual, which they weren't. Right. Um, but but just this kind of friendship where there de- there's a devotion to each other, but at the same token, there's a resolve among either one of them that it's not going to become like the Good Old Boys Network. Yes. And the Good Old Boy Network is never good for any organization because you end up putting your principles and convictions aside for the other person. Hmm. But at the same time, you know, if my friend called me and said, hey, I'm going to jail and some really bad stuff's going to come out about me, uh, about some of my sexual practices and they're all true, uh, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to jail and I'm going to visit him. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pray with him. And that doesn't mean I, I condone any of his actions, but, but my gosh, my friend is in jail. Uh, and he needs Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if he's been hiding these deep, deep, dark, sinful habits. Yeah. My friend is, is very deceived and needs love from a friend who's going to be with, have the resolve to say, brother, you were found out. Praise God. Let's deal with it. You know, and you may be in jail the rest of your life, but you know what? I'm coming to visit you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, God is, um, uh, in that same way, God is our friend. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The total reflection of the gospel, but again, that's where right brotherly love, broad broad thing, and and that what it means is we have to become experts in it, in order to help people out. Yes, and so the really the only way to be good friends with somebody is to is to see that somebody and to be with that somebody. And we we all have had those people that we were friends with for a while, and you move away and you lose touch, and you come back into them again. And sometimes those friendships pick right up where they left off. And sometimes it takes work, and sometimes they never pick back up. And, uh, you know, you lament because you love those people. You didn't stop loving those people. But in a sense, right, it's that, hey, I have to be devoted to the people in front of me. And the people in front of me are my church family. And so that's why for us, it's we are trying to teach you, go be friends with people in your church 
engage with them, walk with them. Sometimes it's going to be confronting them. You know, uh, sometimes you're good friends with somebody and they're sinning or they're gossiping and you got to say to them, brother, I know we're really good friends, but uh, rather than tell me, go talk to them, go talk to the person that you're struggling with. Yeah. I think friendship is a great platform for that. It's hard yes. to tell us correct somebody if they're not your friend. Yes. Yeah. But if you're, if you're their friend, then it's, 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 um, they receive that medicine better. Yeah. Oh, Twitter yeah. exemplifies that, right? You got people, oh, you're a hypocrite. Oh, you're 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 woke, or oh, and there's all these kind of insults, and it's like, well, they don't know each other. It just doesn't help. Yeah, yeah. And better off just to call them privately and say, hey, uh, you know, yeah, yep, good stuff. So um, yeah, um, so the one another's are key. Um, hopefully, that conversation kind of even helped you see in those situations, how, how you would apply love in a very specific way. Yeah. Or, or the one another's right. Uh, the specifics come from knowing them. Yes. And that's where the elders step in. If you're friends with somebody and that somebody is going through trials and you don't know how to deal with it, it is fair to call the elders and say, Hey Gino, uh, I have a friend who's going through this. And I need to confront them or I need to address it. How do I do that? And it's not gossip because you're not calling us right at that point, especially with somebody else in the church, we are potentially a part of the solution or the problem. Yes. And so, right. That's where that Ephesians four steps in where God gives pastors to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The work of ministry at this point is admonishing your friend and, and you who are spiritual restorer, Restore one with a spirit of gentleness, right? Galatians 6. So you who have the Holy Spirit are seeking to restore your brother, knowing that you yourself are tempted by sin and can fall and do fall. And so here, right, but maybe you don't know how to confront that brother. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you don't know how to reconcile. Maybe you don't know how to love that person. Well, that would be the time to call us and let us walk you through what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And the nice part, and that's, that's why even ministry is a family, right? Um, it's not gossip. Yeah. Unfortunately, some people will take it that way. Yeah. I think uh, it's uh, like you've said in the past, it's gossip when you're not part of the solution, you know, and uh, you're degrading their character. Yes. Um, yeah. Or even second guessing their decisions. Right. You know, uh, and I get that too. It's in the American church. There's something okay about second guessing your pastor's decisions. Most more, more than most of the time people who second guess those decisions don't have all the information. Um, but yeah, so be, be careful what you say, but at the same token, it is fair. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah. And church did right. Even church discipline is a body thing. Now, you hope that, that, that your friend repents before it gets to the body level. But uh, that, that's, that's why the body is a part of this as well. So, okay, that's the one another's. Hopefully this has helped. Hopefully it's kind of helped to see how engaging and knowing and being friends with people does this. Um, oh, so this, okay, so the three things, engage. Engage. Uh, well, I think, you, I think you added a good nuance. Engage and learn. Mm -hmm. uh, do the one another's. Be a friend with the one another's. Okay. 
and then be faithful. Okay, be faithful. Right, and th- this is really the cornerstone thing. Be fat, be faithful, make yourself available and teachable. Yeah. And that these principles are really found here. Yeah. And so Hebrews 10.25, uh, if you're driving in your car, I'll read it for you. Uh, if you have your Bible near you, you should look at it. Uh, it starts in verse 24. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Verse That was 23, 24. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to loving good deeds. Now, there's a reiteration of engaging and Learning. one anothering. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. let me be in the habitual state of thinking, how may I serve you and help you to loving good deeds? Yeah. Okay. But then 25, right, is the famous not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. But again, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the one another's, the engaging, uh, the encouraging, and the gathering together in faithfulness all woven together into this one text. But but the, the, the part here is do not forsake the assembling together as is the habit of some. And so the idea is be faithful, be habitual so that you can be, you can maintain that encouraging one another spirit and action. In other words, I think what he's saying is continue to gather together because you need to continue to foster those friendships. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to try to gain influence without putting in the work. Like you can't, it's like some people want to be influential in people's lives, but they haven't put in the work of friendship. Right. Right. Yeah, see, and Isaac is so upset about your actions there that he even yelled out no. <laughs> yeah, so um, that was that was brought to you by Isaac. Uh, apparently, he lost at a video game. <laughs> so, and now the podcast world will know. Yeah, that he was uh, even if he was second place, first loser. That's too bad. Uh so yeah, but but we have to gather together habitually, and for and we need to be dedicated to that. And I think that that's that's the thing, right? It is my responsibility to be there when the church gathers. It is my responsibility to be involved in the church. Amen. Yep. And I mean, unfortunately, I see it all the time where I see people say, you know, uh, we weren't there for a while, and nobody reached out to us, and that is sad. Uh, but it's a, it's a double-edged sword Hmm. and, and all of us stand with one foot on both sides of the sword. Yeah. Uh, I have the responsibility to reach out to you and you have the responsibility to reach out to me. Yeah. And my, the expectation I should have is that I will love you and you may not get it. And I may have to keep loving you the whole time and you may never get it. Hmm. So let me love. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, do not forsake the assembling together. Uh, I get it, it's a tough world, and I get that there's a lot uh, going on. You yeah. know, I think people can be creative too. Um, uh, come early, you know. Um, if you if if um, you know just just the act of coming early just shows that you are pursuing these things. Yes. Um, you know, plan to be. You know, plan plan your Sunday in such a way that you have time carved out for people. Yes. If you can't do it throughout the week, I mean, you know, make Sunday a big day, a big deal for you. Yeah. To do that. Yeah. Um if if um if health is an issue, do it outside. Yes. Because uh I mean, nurses and doctors are able to stay safe and um you know, be around un, uh, sick people all the time and they don't get sick. Yeah. 
they 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 can take precautions. We can take precautions too if you if you need to. Yeah, I mean, so. be wise. Um, yeah, it's always know who you are, be wise, but 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 learn to be faithful. And we talked about that a little bit um, just with adversity. But uh, you know, yeah, be faithful. Yeah, yeah, find a way and be faithful. Um, have that heart to to. To to just just don't neglect. I think that's the main thing. That act of neglect is saying, you know what, it's not worth it, and it's yeah, that's yes. the kind of attitude Christ does not want you to have. Instead, yes. it's like, okay, this is the reality. This is our situation. How can I still do this? Yes. So. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, it's okay if you're on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Go be on vacation. Yeah. I always say this. This is one of my one of my questions I ask people. Would you be okay if Gino and I missed for the same reasons you missed? Yeah. It's a fair and question. if the answer is no, then I would posit you have an unhealthy view of the body of Christ. Hmm. If the answer is yes, then it was probably a legitimate reason. Yeah. But the funny part is they they would most people would demand the elders fire us if we were only there one fourth or half a year. Right. Yes. And if we never returned your phone call, they would probably be upset with us as well. Right. Um, so there is this kind of like reality that we often expect the pastors. It's funny. There was like a stat there once. It was like, if you looked at what's expected of the pastors, there's literally not enough hours in the week for them to do most of what's expected. And that's from an unhealthy view of the body of Christ. Yeah, And so if I understand the body of Christ as a relationship that God put me in, and all of us are important to the body of Christ, not just the pastor, then I understand all of our presence mm-hmm. is essential for the building up of the body of Christ. Right. Because it's it's not just sermons that grow you. It's that personal relationship and the discipleship from one another and the ironing, sharpening iron that grows us too. The Spirit uses all of that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go take a break until the sermon, and then when the sermon's over, go back somewhere else. Yes. He's always working through our body life with one another to help grow each other because we all speak truth to each other, hopefully. Yes. Yeah, sermons are incomplete. I mean, sermons are um, part of a healthy diet. Yes, exactly. They're they're one part of the meal, and if you quit having them, then you will notice that they're gone. Yes. Uh, And and you'll be unhealthy. Um, But... Body life is a second part of that. And so a healthy diet is sermons and friendship. Yep. Yeah, what you eat is almost irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Body, body life, you know, and and sermons are a part of that. But all the core worship, you, even people that are like, oh, it's okay if I miss the music. I just know the music's part of that too. The reading of scripture is part of that. The corporate prayer is part of that, all of that. And so we've talked about that in the past. But um, yeah, so... If, you're, if your elders can't miss for the same reasons you're missing, then you probably don't understand your significance in the body of Christ. That's fair. Yeah, you're a big deal to the body of Christ. Every believer is a big deal to the body of Christ. Yep. Yep. And none of us can walk around and say, I'm a big deal, cater to me, me, yeah. me included. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Lots. So that's, that's why I don't push for my Ford Bronco fund. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't actually ever care if I own one. I just think they're cool. So, 
All right. Well, anything else that we need? Uh, I think uh, I think we're good on this uh, okay. convo at least. Yeah. Well, if you have questions or comments or cries of outrage, feel free to feel free to call uh, call one of us. Uh, if you don't have our numbers, contact Caitlin or Amber, and they'll they'll get you in touch with us. We have the Cornerstone app that has the roster, so you could always check on that. And uh, yeah, come talk to us. Uh, all the Bible studies and all the corporate worship. So yep. All right. Love you guys. And thank you much. Mm-hmm.